Welcome, everyone. We are here for another very special podcast on the Flow Show, Jeff Gross Podcast. This is episode number 192, brought to you by Club GG, where you can create poker clubs for free, play with your friends, and win cash prizes, hundreds of thousands of dollars monthly. And with that being said, I introduce the guest today, the man who's on a serious heater, life heater, live heater, online heater, everything, Mario Muzbek. If I'm pronouncing right, Mario, uh, appreciate you today being here. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Um, I'm excited to be on the podcast um, after we uh, did the show on Tuesday. Yes, this is great. We did a GG Million show every Tuesday. That's a big one. 10K final table uh, from Sundays, which you actually won about five weeks ago, which was cool. We got to watch you play on the show and then you came on and you know battle with a lot of those same faces and, and, and obviously are a very big regular in the high stakes poker tournament community. So that was very cool to do the commentary with you. We kind of did a warm up for the podcast. So we'll, we'll maybe cover a few of the same things. But uh, yeah, for those that don't know you, please uh, introduce yourself and let us know a bit about your poker, sort of uh, how you started and your journey. And then we'll dive into some uh, current events and, and, and your, your heater that you're on. That's a it's a long story. I'm who doesn't who don't know me. Um, I'm from Austria. I'm 27 years old. Um, all my life I've been playing uh, sports and played mostly uh, football till I was 20 and I played professional from 17 to 20 um, and then didn't really know what to do afterwards and then slowly the uh, slowly poker filled that um, that part of my life um, so and then I would say the last four or five years poker became mm -hmm. the the big the big thing um, uh, yeah but I started playing quite a bit earlier so I've been playing for like Sounds weird, but for 15 years now, since 2008, it's insane if I say that. But it's wow. uh, 2008, 2009, I started playing um, on full tilt back then, um, playing the free rolls. I don't know if you remember, there was like Chris Ferguson had these challenges where like he turned free roll money into real dollars and yep. then the real dollars into more dollars and like had the zero to like 10K bankroll challenge. Mm -hmm. And for me as a kid, that was just like mind blowing. But like it was touchable because he does it and makes videos about it. Um, and I tried to follow it and took me a couple, took me one or two years to like play unlimited free rolls because I couldn't deposit because I didn't have a credit card, didn't know, yeah. have a way to deposit. And I grinded up, won a few dollars, made a couple hundred, lost it all, did that like 10 times or something. Yeah. Um, and then I think in like when I was like 14, so like right before Black Friday, like 2011, um, I had a good heater and then the kind of was the start. I, I won like mini F-tops event for 20K or something. Um, right after ha happens Black Friday, I've luckily got the money down um, right in time. Right. And um, yeah, and since then, poker was always a part of me. Um, and uh, now it's a big part. Very, very cool. And how do you, I, this is like one of the questions I want to ask later, but how do you relate poker and variance with life? Because like, even what you just mentioned, you win this, you spin it up, it takes time, you do the, you do the grind and then you win this 20,000. Imagine it was like a little later, right? And you did that, you hit your score, you do all this work and now the money's locked for years yeah. and that. So like, do you, do you feel that you're able to kind of uh, realize that to calibrate poker in real life? Do you see kind of metaphor to how variants and things work and, and, and do you think that helps you in everyday life oh for sure i mean being able to like objectively analyze 
like uh, random events that could be by chance like okay now I don't know like an accident happens it was just a little bad run like these things I don't want to overdo it to not be just like okay everything is just like um, yeah if bad run or good run or uh, I don't want to overdo it but in generally it helps to 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 take uh, like especially bad news take care with bad news um, um, way better be more neutral about it um, um, and I try to not be too too robotic on the on the high uh, on the high emotions and just still enjoy those and be like a little over the top with those and not too okay it's just like a like an upswing or like you know I, I want to enjoy those and I think it's important to let uh, let yourself not be too too robotic for sure I, I you mentioned again Black Friday that's the one example I give about <laughs> something that's not about what happens how you react to what happens in my personal life because I was living in the US you know at, in 2011 April 15th Black Friday shuts down and I remember just thinking wow this is it you know I'm gonna have to like move out of the country or not and get a new life or whatever and then you know in the moment it seems like it's the end of the world plus I have some money frozen Luckily, it wasn't like a crazy amount, but still like all of it, right? Not good news in the moment, but it yeah. turned out where it was like I was getting out, you know, same as you actually, I played soccer my whole life. You you played professionally. I stopped in college in the US, like right after college, but you know, it was, uh, it was a, it was a huge shock and it was, it was also like felt like the end of the world, but then I was out of shape. You know, I, for a year or two, just like been eating I, this thing in Baltimore, I live in Baltimore, my roommate, we'd eat Ding Hao, right? Order Chinese, play mm -hmm. beer pong. I wake up, roll out of bed, start playing poker after play, being in school my whole life, soccer, regimented routine. I was just like letting it go. And then I was like out of shape, overweight, you know, a mess a bit. And I, and then just going through the motions. And then I was like that shock. I started playing live, traveling places, met, you know, new people, started playing live poker, was in a better, healthy routine. It kind of shifted a lot. Right. So looking back, it was like such a blessing when it, it felt like it was the end of the world. So yeah, that kind of stuff happens a lot. Um, but, but yeah, t tell me about the, the poker code and what that's, what that's been like for you. Cause I know Fedor, you know, fairly well, he's also with GG poker and, you know, Matthias and, and it's a very, uh, very regimented, very respected group community. There's like five or six, I would say core pillar poker options. You know, there's, there's a uh, razor edge. That's what I use. There's upswing. There's, um, you know, solve for why does stuff. There's a bunch of different you know, uh, you could name Patrick Leonard does when there's all these different ones. How did you get with poker code? Why poker code? And tell me mm -hmm. about poker code for you. Um, for me, it's just a f the brand of a friend. So it, th that's how it developed. Um, Fedor started it with Matthias back then. I was not as close with Matthias or I didn't really know Matthias, I think even. Um, now we're really good friends. He's, he's a great, great and really funny guy, even if you don't see that on the first side on the poker table. Um, it just developed. It was just like his thing. Um, at that time, I was not yet. Uh, I was not yet playing professional. He was uh, obviously super, super good uh, for many, many years, and um, it just turned into the this brand. And for for me, like the, the way I got mostly connected was then um, right before. Um, the lockdowns um, in Austria we had like there was a scoop um, in May and the thing was I, I was playing poker but I, looking back it wasn't really that good I probably was like break even $80 ABI player online I, that's where I would probably rank myself yeah um, and so there was scoop coming up um, I talked to Feda we wanted to, to rent a house 
and we had this great house like outside of Vienna and I told him I have a group of friends they are not really good at poker but really funny and I think it would be a fun time um, if we rent this house and uh, grind the, the scoop there and so it was like okay sure um, we come up there booked it for a week or something I think we've played one poker session one and a half maybe and yeah. in this poker session you have to imagine where there's this long table like this like kind of like maybe 10 meter long table and everybody puts the laptop there and Fedor has his setup plays the 10k the 25k scoop and next to them just all of my of my my soccer friends who just like play five dollar tournament ten dollar tournament with like 30 runners on, on winter day like really small and so like every bad beat they completely lose it every win they celebrate as if they like it was it was so loud it was just like in fader playing the super high stakes next to it and Hage just like there's one of the guys just completely losing it losing a an in the three dollar tournament and we just had a great time it was it was just like okay that's amazing and the idea was kind of how cool would that be if we could that more often it was just like maybe eight eight to ten guys um if that could be our life because at this point i was i I consider myself professional but maybe didn't make that much money with it um all the other guys were like maybe has a few little money or broke or like around that area and so we thought about okay let's make that more often and uh, in the summer there was a long lockdown period in austria so we rented a house and the idea was basically uh, for poker code to be like the the brand over it they they rent it they film it and just show what happens if you have uh eight eight guys in a house what year was that exactly when did you guys do that 2020 so and then you, so, you, so you did it in 2020 and then 2021 you hit the scoop the score on scoop you won it the main event insane like wow. we had two two months there we studied quite a bit but also not too crazy like it's not we just like started down and like there it was just we we played a lot of other games we went to the lake we like did normal summer stuff it was nothing too crazy but it just showed me showed us the rhythm of okay what what we do we have to study what do we need to focus on like what routines how do we have to think about the game in that two two month period was just basically for us to start okay how do we get into um the game and how to fuel the game in the right way what big mistakes we should avoid and like what is the, what what does matthias make good what does Fedor de- did good and both are at the highest level at that point already so it's yeah. quite easy for them to show us um how to do it um and then we had a little bit of success one of our guys got second in a bracelet event during that time with like five percent of his action in this arena doll tournament or something yeah and after that it was insane like after this, I, I, September 2020, when the grinders ended, um, we have a graph there was just like straight up. It was crazy. All of the guys are now professional. They have um, all living from that. Um, all have now uh, had their success. And after that online, we, we, we won a lot, a lot of money, life as well. It's crazy. And and what do you attribute that to specifically? I mean, is it is it the 
the dedication of the craft? Are you guys doing like deep dive, deep dive solver work? Is it just so efficient when you have a tricky spot or an interesting thing that you get the feedback from the best and then you all kind of like craft it like to, to your own tailoring? Like how, how, why do you think that's so effective and, and different? Would it have been different? You think if you had just studied and, and done like poker code or raise your edge or a course online, how much difference is it and why is it different? I think you ha like if you know the guys I'm talking about, it's not like we're computer science. It's like we're average guys. Um, we like the game a lot. Everybody loves the game. Um, they're all sharp guys. Nothing too crazy. Um, and we just really are very, very passionate about it. Um, what makes the difference, I think, is it was always kind of like I learned a lot from talking to Fedor directly about the game and I learned about a lot to talking or to all the other guys teaching what I already know and what I learned and how I see it. It's basically like this, like you want to talk with someone that's uh, way better than you and with someone that is not on the same level and maybe even a complete beginner because it makes yourself to rethink the process over and over again. And if you cannot really explain your thoughts to someone that is not as good yet, then maybe you don't really understand it uh, that well already. And, I think this constant loop of um, where and also like having an anchor of like, okay, this is achievable. Fedor is not, he's obviously super good, but he's not out of reach. Um, and for the all my other friends, I was not out of reach. And so it kind of got a dynamic where um, everybody believed that and everybody understood that, okay, Matthias and Fedor said this is the right path and we just do it and do it for a while and is there is no real there's no real sh secret to it. it's just we one thing is uh, like it's obviously tough to get a routine and i noticed the big difference when they made fun now but it's, we, we did like a, a little a little side bet where we set a like study amounts like everybody in the group had to study i think it was 10 hours a week and you had to study at least 30 minutes a day for like half a year. Um, we put money on that and that everybody after like a month, even though they had a hard time studying it all before, after a month, everybody was just in that rhythm and it keeps on going for months yeah. and months yeah. and months because they have this incentive and then the results come in, they say, okay, it works. You can make a living out of that and then it just keeps rolling and um, eventually you realize, okay, wow, now we made a lot of jumps in quite a short time. And, and, yeah. and, and when you actually, so when you, when you won the, that 839,000, uh, scoop yeah. main event, were you in, you were in that, you were in a group environment or were you at, were you a, were you like alone? Was that, was that part of a grind house? Cause you did the grind house before yeah. were you, you were oh, at the home? grind house was, um, 2020. in 2020, I wanted 2021. I actually wanted in, in this house. It's my grandparents' house. Um, oh, wow. they still, I think my grandma just passed away then and we i played it uh downstairs in the in the living room it was not a not a, a grindhouse setup but it's actually funny because grindhouse 2 was filmed uh right at that time in vienna so i won it and then i took the car drove to and then we partied at the uh, grindhouse wow. with our, our other guys it was wow. actually quite yeah that's man that's crazy and and what about it, it, was it because so i did a stream house right stream oh, that, did yeah. it with jamie back in the day kevin martin matt staples that was fun we mm -hmm. did like stream boat the hurricane game with bill perkins we were just talking before mm -hmm. about 
I know you're, you you like uh, listening to Bill and and some you know just die with zero book. Um, but so with kind of this this we've done before uh like this type of idea and dynamic but was it was there actually street was it more like a grindhouse where you guys are doing stuff or because i know fedor does some they're streaming right some of these guys do there is streaming uh in this group of sorts mm-hmm. that do it like it, was there actual streams going on or is this just like a like together grind and, and hang out no no nobody streamed uh fedor streams from time to time but from the guys nobody uh streams um even though i think they would be born for streaming they are really right. like very loud outgoing they stream it it would could do it in English, but they never like never really picked up. Um, but all of them, I would say, are now good mid to high stakes player. And it's crazy because like every single one of them, there's not a one who didn't uh, go through and who can uh, like all are playing now. Maybe hundred fifty dollar online and like all the mid to high stakes life and just have a decent life with it. And um, this has been an amazing success like uh if you told me that three years ago i would not have imagined how that turns out that's that's crazy what about what are your thoughts on twitch or youtube streaming live like do you have it would you ever want to do it have you done it would you do it mm, i'm if for, for me, i'm not the right personality for that it's um i'm not a not like i enjoy consuming and i enjoy talking with someone who talks a lot because I can just tag along um, and have a hard time t- talking with someone who doesn't talk a lot because yeah. then I have to think about topics and like th- this is tougher and then talking to no one, it would be for me, okay, that that is just difficult and it just doesn't come naturally. I, I, um, I actually have a big problem Well, that I work on. Like that's my number one thing is because I've I streamed on Twitch for years, right? And it's, yeah. it is wild to talk to a camera for 12 hours straight and just like yeah. talk and like maybe engage with a question but go ahead and just talk it is you know it's hard to turn that off and it's like on a podcast i always have to or, or kind of just try to like i know that i i'm so used to talking so often that it's just like mm-hmm. that's my like my rhythm right so i i have to like remember okay this is a podcast i need it like it's but there's it's about the guest I, I catch myself always talking a lot but um but yeah it is it is definitely not for everybody and it is tiring mm-hmm. you know to do for for that amount of period and 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 just keep it going so um, it's it's a skill to be funny and entertaining for a long time that is definitely like very very uh, for sure i mean it's it's interesting to see people that are um i talk about this all the time i think it's fascinating (laughs) to see world-class players that do also stream and you've seen like an ape styles you know i know lex spraggy finn these guys are working really hard on their game same with jamie staples matt staples kevin martin also someone that streamed yeah. a lot was he actually was the one that got a lot of scrutiny where po- yeah. at the time poker star signed him and like this was when the sort of shift from like the high roller crushers deals yeah. to like content deals and i remember people are like outraged that he got a deal because he was like not a really you know at the time not a whatever yeah. but he's worked really hard and he's like been become a great streamer and also like putting the work in on the studying and you see <laughs> ben cb you know ben raleigh is a good friend of mine i don't know how well you know ben um, mm-hmm. and I, I work with raise your edge and like, he also, right. He's, he's like elite, elite, elite. And he also now does some streaming. So like when you get that sort of hybrid, it's, it's rare. Cause like, you know, to be a great player and to be a great content creator, it's like, there's only so much time in the world. Right. And when you stream, you give up, you give up that sort of some of the edge showing some of your cards, but also like the focus, which it, it definitely takes a lot of focus to follow a chat, play a lot of tables, do your best. It's sort of that. That was my big thing. I, I felt like I got caught in no man's land a lot, right? Where I'm like eight tabling, trying to like follow everyone. I'm, I also know I'm not the greatest poker player in the world. So it's like to give not 100% attention and not 100 to the chat, you're kind of like, 
you know, figuring this, like everyone's not getting the right attention, but I got, that's my next question for you about tables. I, I do see you mention about that. What is your suggested amount of tables? What's the most tables you'll play when you play online tournaments? And what do you think is optimal for you? Um, for me personally, I would say it's lower than average. I'm very, I have a hard time with multitasking. And if I get distracted on one thing or I focus on one thing, I cannot think I have, well, I cannot like barely can think about a second thing at the same. That is for me. I, I fo really focus on this and then I just get lost on the other. So yeah, I would say I, 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 there is no right or wrong answer. It's more of what uh, certainly feels like um, fits in the situation. Um, for me, like right now, I play mostly Sundays and there is a difference. So let's say I start, I, I start, I start with the highest well tournaments at the beginning. Um, so around six and I start with like the 530 where you, you get the extra chips. And so you, I fill it up to like six to eight tables. And then if a high value tournament comes in, I add it to the, to the screen and I better like, try to keep it between six to eight. Um, but some tournaments, the late rig ends and then you just have to add them. Um, so I add them to like, uh, like a nine for 10th table, but it's also fine to add a tournament with like 10 big blinds rather than with a hundred big blinds because the decisions will be just way easier. And I try, like I keep the tables with like small, uh, chip stacks on one side to like kind of have them autopilot in the deeper ones or the more important ones in a separate area where I keep most of my focus. And I, what I would recommend is being, uh, even if like, I know I play worse, um, during the peak hours of the Sunday, but it's a trade-off that yeah. I have lower win rate per hundred for like maybe from seven to nine. Um, if I play 10 or 11 tables, then if I would have over six, but I increased my revenue over the time and the ROI doesn't get impacted by so much if my starting win rate is a little bit lower. Yeah. So I sacrificed it for it a little bit and then till 10, I just make sure to add all the tournaments, yeah. but I never go above 10 or 11. That's, that's my absolute cap. And I try to keep it at eight. And then if I have a deep run, I stop, um, I stop adding tournaments and yeah. I cut the ones that are not that important to one side of the, the screen and focus really on the the most important yeah. one. Yeah. It, it, it amazes me, you know, Patrick Leonard, Chris Mormon guys I've had on the podcast that that like you know they can 20 table and like comfortably pads yeah. is insane like he's like he's doing his instagram story as well like doing this and whatever i it's like that the same thing for me i'm not my brain is it's like i i just noticed a huge difference when i'm like two tabling versus you know 12 or 10 it's, or eight and yeah. streaming yes. it's, it's just it's a big difference um i gotta i just was scrolling through your instagram i know we we covered soccer and and here you're you know your fiance here did she go to arkansas what's the i, I you're you're from the europe what's the arkansas you're at a basketball game what's that about she's from fayetteville arkansas ah, okay so this was the first time i visited her in okay uh, arkansas we went to the razorback game yeah. it was an insane experience i was yeah. just it's this month, I was in September for a month there. First time I went to a, f a college football game. Insane experience. Um, I uh, absolutely loved it. Um, the area is amazing. Um, Northwest Arkansas. It's Fayetteville, Bentonville, Rogers. Um, really nice area. Bentonville is where Walmart was founded and the headquarters is still there. So yeah. a lot of the city was built around that. And a lot of the... It's a very economically... Um, booming area and very pretty as well it has the the beaver lakes 
um, the Ozarks, uh, very nice. It's interesting because the stereotype I have of Arkansas is very country hit, like, yeah. hill, like kind of like, you know, I mean, it's one, it's actually one of the few states I don't, I haven't been to Arkansas and I don't know much about that state. Yeah. There's probably like six or seven states that I'm just kind of like stare, thinking, you know, Idaho or, you know, North yeah. Dakota, South Dakota, and then some of the ones in the South that are, you know, I just like haven't spent much time, but so that, that's, yeah. that's cool. That's good to hear. How did you meet your fiance? When did you meet? Um, we met when I was 20. So yeah, seven years ago. And we were on, I was on, um, I was on holiday with Martin, my friend. We went to Costa Rica, just like backpacking or we had a car and to, to hostel to hostel. And it was New Year's Eve. Um, and we went to, in Santa Teresa, maybe you know the place. That's well, it's crazy. I was just there last week for a full week. I was just looking oh, at really? a, this picture and I was like, wait, I took a plane like this too. <laughs> yeah. Is that from Costa Rica? I was going to ask is, you. Yeah. That's that exact we, plane we took, like this we, purple. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's, it might it's be the plane purple. we took, honestly, from, from San Jose to Santa exactly. Teresa. Exactly. It, it flies there and then you oh, take like a little shuttle. Um, yeah, it was exactly. two or three years after we went back to that with uh, Fedor and a, a friend's group and rented the house. Um, but we were there over and there's but i don't know if you know banana beach it's like one of the beach restaurants um okay. and we i walked with martin there and it was new year's eve and it was eight uh and there were like a lot of young people a lot of girls there and so we're like okay later we come back here uh looks like a fun place so we come back at like 10 and there was just like everybody was gone it was only dinner anymore um so we just okay let's take one maybe drink something but let's go and then i walked in and then i saw amanda sitting on um on the table with uh with now i know it's her parents and then another uh two older um gentlemen and, the, and his wife um and i was like okay i don't know if i should ask or like go over and say hi and gotta say hi. a little bit yeah. and yeah. uh after like when we were we were about to walk to to a to a New Year's Eve party uh, in the hostel nearby, and walking away, I was like, mm, I probably would really uh, regret not saying hi. Yeah. And so I went up. Uh, I said hi to the table. Um, Tim Amanda's dad stood up. He was like, he's this. Uh, I think it was linebacker, like the guy that protects the quarterback. And uh, he's like, like, yeah, or like a center or whatever. Yeah. Like, cent, yes. That's what he, he was a center. So he's like this huge man. He stands up, shakes my hand. And, um, I was like, holy shit. Like he had the, he has the mass, most massive hands I've ever seen. Like, probably 50% more than my hand. It was crazy. Right. Yeah. yeah so I like asked, a, you're a true football player, like a big, <laughs> yeah. big guy. Yeah. Yeah. So I asked if I could, um, take out Amanda for, um, going to the hostel party and, he wait, wait no. you asked him right there or you had never spoken to her and you asked them like you asked them, you talked to her and then you and then you asked. You didn't just like ask them without checking with her, right? No, it was kind of I, I talked to the whole like okay. I talked to her, her parents and like kind of had to talk to the whole. Right. Group. I got it. That makes right. sense. And just, was... That'd be pretty wild if you just didn't even like you just said he's never <laughs> talked to her and like say hi. And then you say, hey, can I take her? Yeah. But OK, I get it. I Who knows? Maybe that would be that would work, too, maybe. But. Yeah, um, and it's yeah. um yeah, and then he was like, mm, nah, hostel party sounds really sketch. We're in a different country. She was seventeen, um, so fair enough. I was like, well, okay, I then I don't know. I gave her my number. Big mistake. Always give, uh, always take their number first as yes, well. True. So true. I walked in, um, 
I walked to the party and the next day I tried to text her and I didn't know that Americans don't have WhatsApp. So I expected to have WhatsApp and I was in airplane mode. So I didn't connect. I thought maybe she was just not interested. And then randomly on the next day on the street, they drive by and Tim has this like big American SUV and the brakes next to me, rolls down the window. It's like, hey, Mario. And it's like, rolls down the window of Amanda and she uh, opens the door and like asks if we can go for for a walk or dinner. And I was like, sure, I'm about to uh, go for uh, lunch or like dinner anyways. And then we hit it off and uh, yeah. So this was this was that, and then she was. I mean, she was still in high school, and I was uh, playing professional football in um, Austria. So it was. She uh, actually is like super impressive. She came to Austria a couple of times, yeah, and like finished high school early, and it's crazy. It's, yeah, really that, impressed. That, that's awesome. That's yeah. an awesome story. It's funny because one of my we I was just for Thanksgiving in, in Santa Teresa. We had a house with Antonio Esfandiari, who's one of my very, very close friends. We had a great trip. And one of his close friends, who I've gotten closer with, yeah. and a girl on the beach there, went up, talked to her. We were having Thanksgiving dinner on the beach at, at the house. And he, we were like giving him, like, yo, go talk to this girl. She was from Germany. And he went and talked to her. Now they're like true love. It's like they're wow. already like dating. And this was like last week and like crazy. Yeah. But yeah, for a similar, it's, it's a magical place, you know? Uh, it's where magic <laughs> you always happens. have to go for it. It's like, exactly. It's like, there's no downside. All right. So yeah, you meet your now fiance in Santa Teresa. You're there uh, pretty, pretty crazy. And you're still playing professional soccer. I do see some notes. It's actually very interesting. because around the exact same time I played soccer my whole life. And I stopped at college. I think you were 21. I was like 21. <laughs> And I, and I kind of like say, I see a quote here. You said, I stopped enjoying daily training and no longer felt the football is what I want to do. I increasingly asked myself, is this exactly what I want to devote myself to for 15 years? So tell me about that. Do you remember the, the moment or the time or the feeling? Was poker already a big part of your life where you had been playing online and you kind of, that was your more of your passion or were you just sure that soccer wasn't going to be it? Mm. It was more of a slow process. Like you, you, you know that as an athlete, like some days you enjoy more than others. And for me, um, like it slowly transitioned into, here. Yeah, I don't really enjoy this. Like I, I like some parts of it. I don't like it to be this overwhelming part of my whole life. And I feel like I felt um, that I was developing as a player, I become better, I like get up like this kind of like success ladder. Um, but as a person, I felt kind of stuck or like not developing or like, not in the right surrounding i didn't really enjoy my my uh yeah my, like my workspace I, it was not how i wanted to be um how how i see my life in in that in that area and i just felt like this was not um this is like for me it was okay i now go through this path um because i was pretty good and will likely end up somewhere where the decision to quit will be increasingly more difficult. Like mm. at this point, I was already making uh, good money. I was living um, a decent life. And it was um, like, you have these upsides as a professional athlete where like, like socially, you well, well the financially, and it's just everybody thinks, okay, this is the, the like peak and nobody would ever decide to quit or something. Um, but um, if if I now go through this path, like I will earn my money, I will be more recognized as a person, it will be increasingly harder to quit down the road. Um, because like if you play in Germany and you make three million a year, 
dare you not quit doesn't matter how unhappy you are with with uh your life and i didn't want to be stuck around there somewhere and so i thought to myself okay either i stop and see if i miss it and if i miss it i just come back a month later um or i don't miss it and it would be the right decision to not do it or i go full through and just eyes closed to it for 15 years make that my career and i just didn't feel like this would be the right and i didn't want to quit along the way if i already felt like this is uh, leading me to maybe success but uh success without uh fulfillment or happiness on along the way yeah it makes sense and it's tough when you put your life right it's something that you're passionate about and that you're it's mm-hmm. it's, it's a difficult decision of course and yeah i mean that's uh and, and do you ever think about what if or do you not really regret just enjoy the time you had or do you kind of look around and how much do you follow football or soccer if you will now mm-hmm. i i i got the like i had a good mentor at that time he was playing uh premier league and uh, was the austrian captain in the uh, national team and i talked with him a ton about it like will it change like how do i feel now and directed the context like everybody who i talked to like is at the level that i envisioned like peak success um kind of had the same response it's just like yes changes a little bit but it changes rather to the worst it gets more isolated you feel it's definitely more even more uh cold at the at the top and it's just for me it felt okay it's it's i have to make a decision for for my life even though uh yes there could be success in in football but for me as a person it just uh didn't fit and i remember writing um i write myself a letter because like i thought about okay what if I regret it in three years and I'd be like, okay, I made the dumbest mistake. So I wrote myself a letter. I wrote letter uh, to Mario in the future. And I wrote down exactly how I felt and the reasons why I wanted to quit. And then I showed that to uh, Paul, who was my mentor at that time. And showed him this, like, this is the reason if I ever consider this could have been a mistake along the way. Um he should just show me the letter again and uh, then I get into the... Because like you, if you think about it, you only think about the positives. You forget the, the negative sides pretty easily. Um, and then you just, okay, it all was so nice. But no, it, it was not all sunshine and rainbows. It was not... Um, yeah. yeah. And for me now, like I don't ha- didn't regret this one, th- one moment in my life afterwards. It's crazy because, like, talking about this, I can talk about it um, from having observed this, but it doesn't really feel... It feels like a different life that I've lived a while ago. And it's, it's like if someone says I'm a professional football player, I'm just like, oh, yeah, that that happened. But it just feels surreal to talk because, like, it's so far away now. It's just, like, out of... I still play. but And, and the thing is, I would say... Uh, top 10 uh, best moments in in football i had afterwards like i had them uh at the small clubs that I played didn't really matter like what level um yeah. it's just like the the moments with the friends and um we talked about bill's uh, mo- uh book uh before there's one time we had like maybe i don't know which league maybe four fifth sixth league in austria something like that um and for me, that was the perfect setup for football. I trained like once a week or uh, maybe not. And then 
played on the weekend and just with the best guys like just like from a little village they're like kind of farm boys and then but we had a good team and everybody was just like the best people and that's uh, that's how i loved it and that, that's another thing where like i recognized it in the moment but i wish i would have even more realized okay how special that period afterwards was yeah yeah no that's uh yeah exactly right it just it's yeah i, I mean i remember two soccer growing up in the u.s it's like i played in club very competitive and then you know and it's high school club but then that time like yeah. with the team as a club where we mm -hmm. were traveling going to tournaments and win you know playing for state winning state yeah. championships like that was more fun when i got to college like you know i just it's something it just changed and i i think a lot of that too is variance as well like with the coach yeah. Yeah. with the with the how you fit in what you know like it's so crazy how with these leagues and stuff too you could go to a place where if you're a center forward or you're a center midfielder there's already like someone there that's like you know it's just the positioning yeah. and the luck and the timing how you get along with the coach how they feel what version they see it's it's just like kind of crazy because like it's same thing in us in college you go you get looked at if you're a pretty good player you go to various schools and it's it's a wide like you know you could have a senior that's in your position so it's like cool you're a freshman then you come in as a sophomore but maybe there's a, a sophomore that's great that's at your yeah. position and now you're a freshman and you're just kind of always behind or like whatever you have to think about these things I mean, it's the same in college football right to quarterbacks you see like it's weird right you go to alabama or michigan and be like mm -hmm. the backup or you could be the starter at like a pretty good school and whatever so it's 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 difficult and that and that the coach and how you get along with the teammates and the environment it's just uh it's it's uh very interesting and it's there's no science i think to it there's definitely some luck involved with that yeah. um it's sport. it's like you, you just sometimes you like you can control a little bit and if you're more aware of it um but it's mostly like we're, we're impacted mostly by the surroundings and um we don't realize how much it impacts and there's a i think a, a quite a nice book where um i forgot the title but one of the core concepts was like showcasing is yes the talent is needed but the external factors play a big role and there is i think a stat in the nhl and i don't know which date is the drop-off date but the um every like 60 or 70 percent of um nha players are born within a three months or four months period after this drop-off date and barely no one anyone before and the reason for that is because um that's the drop-off date at like eight years old or 10 years old in canada where you make it into like the programs um or not and at that time being a year older or like 11 months older is a huge difference so you make it in there and then you start the circle and then you just start developing or yeah, you don't I, I think well it might be malcolm gladwell one of these books you're talking about mm -hmm. tipping point yeah. or one of these like for sure with i know in the u.s the same thing like for soccer mm -hmm. for the state team it was like january 1 to to mm -hmm. you know december 31st right but for the yeah. for the clubs it's like september or august 1st to whatever mm -hmm. so for eight i was in 87 be, even mm -hmm. though I, i'm born in 86 because the cutoff was like august 1 and i'm born yeah. september 5th so i'm like the oldest and this yeah. 87, but in the 86 for the state and the regional and the national team, I'm in the nine months difference. So, yeah, it makes a big difference at eight, mm -hmm. nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 years yeah. old, that extra, you know, potential nine months or year of development and what, where you're, which position you're with the kids. So, there, that, yeah. that it's just, I think that's the thing you're referencing. I've read this book yeah. as well. And there yeah. definitely is like for the 87, I was, you know, captain of my team and I was whatever. And then at 86 for the state team, it's like I was oh. with these guys that were on the year older playing the best kids and, 
it was it was tougher, right? So it's it's there's there's luck in that as well, and I think it's the same principle. But um, for hockey and, and any any sport when they do it like that, but uh, yeah, it's very interesting. It's very interesting stuff. But it's safe to say you're happy you found poker. Uh, what what yeah. is your current outlook on the game and your upcoming schedule? I know you're you're about to go to the Bahamas, right, for the WSOP in, in mm -hmm. Nassau. Um, I fly actually on Sunday, so four days. Um, very excited. I really like live poker. Um, it allows me to just focus on one game and not eight tables. So, yeah. and that's I think where um, I'm the strongest, and I'm very excited. I've, I, I'm very excited to play um, the main, the 25k. I think there's a 1500k as well, um, and then we fly to Vegas right after for the WPT. Play the main event there. Um, and then for this way later is the one drop, which I will be playing, um, this time. So I'm very excited. First time yeah. ever. I, Five I, are I, the biggest buy-in. <laughs> I, I actually did see uh, you're selling some action, uh, for the yes. 1 million, you 20% put up there and I know you've sold, you know, on the side mm -hmm. to friends and stuff. What is that like? You played the two. Oh, let's just, let's cover this too. Since we're here, mm -hmm. the 200 K that was your biggest buy-in, correct? That you just got second in, yes. I believe to, yeah, Dan Smith also friend been on the podcast great player what what was that like all of a sudden what was your biggest score before that live live because online you had an 839 did you have any any pretty big score? I, I didn't i didn't beat that i've maybe, so maybe a couple hundred k i not too much wow maybe so, yeah. so so what is that like when you buy into a 200k your buy-in's bigger than your largest score ever and now you yeah. you know, the, tell me about like the bubble what the experience was like and then to be heads up i want to hear the whole thing this is crazy you all of a sudden hit no six-figure score and now you're playing for a seven-figure score with this kind of life-changing money up top. What was that whole experience like? So, like, it starts off way early. Because getting into the tournament is actually quite tough. You yep. need to, to find someone that wants to partner with you. And I tried to find someone for Cyprus. Didn't, didn't work out. Um, tried to find something for London. Didn't work out. Um, and in Cyprus, during the Triton, I met uh, Alex. Um, he's a... Uh, he's, uh, first time playing the tournaments there and i realized okay he's uh he's, he's tough to play um smart businessman but like he has some moves so um, we started talking um and i asked him if he ever comes to another triton if he wants to play the 200k together and he was like mm, he hasn't considered that it's a high buy-in but yeah why this? not uh, alexander shelokin okay yep and um so I hit him up in a uh, few few months before the event. It's like, hey, are you coming to Monaco? And he's like, yeah, he already booked the flight. Um, and then we started talking about the 200K. And he was like, mm, yeah, maybe. Let's try it. And then we started. And so I was like, hey, holy shit. Now I'm playing the 200K. Um, I played a couple hundred Ks before, but this was then uh, doubling that by far the biggest buy-in. And... I was very excited because it's a great tournament. Like you have half half pros, half VIPs, um, very good structure. And so I get there, and I, I it just felt I I felt uh, amazing right from the start. I had good runs. Um, it, it was interesting because it felt different. I felt for me it was okay. I I was normally reasonable with my bankroll management and took a normal piece, um, and definitely biggest piece I've ever had. Uh, but just a normal piece. Um, and it felt like other players were kind of, that this was a very big tournament for them. And that's how it felt. And I'm generally like online, I'm playing um, 
quite aggressive. I'm uh, trying to win a lot of non-showdown hands and just fit it very well. And um, it started from the day one, I think it ended day one at um, fourth in chips and then came to the final table and like fifth in chips. And the crazy part was after day one, um, I kept winning some hands and then it was the area from like 20 left to 15 left, where it's like 14 are paid. And I was sitting on the table with um, Dan Smith, Danny Tang, uh, Haralabos Vulgaris, mm-hmm. um, Elton, and it was with 14 left, and it was just like the most fun experience ever. Bob had his 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 uh, dog Oscar there, yeah. and was just like chatting, and it felt it really felt like a home game, and it absolutely didn't like it. Like it was by far the biggest stakes I've ever played, um, and it just was just fun, laid back experience. And I was just like, okay, that is amazing. So Did, we played that. Mm-hmm. Were you? Were you? How was your chip stack in that moment? Because although it's fun and whatever, you realize like because the, these are these are big swings, especially when yeah. you you know your biggest buy in. Like somehow you get cooler or you know yeah. you get out or whatever, right? Like it's all fun and games, but that would that, that's tough to overcome and can set you up mentally uh in a, in a tough place right versus like you know that min cash alone is so big so what was your stack like on the bubble and how were you mm-hmm. able to uh did you chip up at all was it was it was you were you just or were you handcuffed i was one of the bigger stacks most okay. of the tournament elton and dan smith had me covered at that time um, but i still had like 50 big blinds and right. even though yes it's a big min cash dollar wise it's not that huge of a diff like it's 1.5 blinds the First place at 20 buy and so it's quite important to not sit out. And I think that's where the edge comes from. And I knew that, like, yes, I play this tournament, but I really don't think about the money part. Right. Uh, that's, because that's I, important. If, yeah. if, like, study wise and con- like theory wise, I'm, I know I'm very good. And that's where my edge comes from. And if, if I play it like a normal tournament, I will uh, have a very high win rate. And so that's only the only thing I focused on. And I was just like, whatever happens, happens. And 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 then we went in and it was crazy because I came in like third in chips and like Danny Tang had a really big stack to my right. Dan Smith was the runner with chip leader. And from eight to nine left, I busted in favor in seven for something. Um, and at that time, I was just like suddenly winning every pot. It just like I felt really in the zone. Um, was picking up a good, good reads, and then was playing pretty, pretty loose, and was able to have a runaway chip lead with starting with six left. I think I already had yeah. half of the chips in play, something crazy. Yeah. Um, what, what's that in- like? What's that like to battle with a, a friend, one of your close friends, who also like is sort of like in a way your coach, right? You come into poker yeah. code, you kind of yeah. learn tricks and, and study together. How does that to battle, and how does it feel to knock him out in that moment? I, I mean, I'm quite competitive, at, so he's he, so it's it's even more, uh, okay, we just play hard against each other. Um, and it's always something where, like, you don't want to have the thing, okay, like, they're friends, they don't battle each other. So yeah. you kind of go extra hard, which, like, hurts yourself as well. Um, but that's kind of the, like, we just played yeah. out, and the way I busted him was, was totally standard. Um yeah, so I actually I like that part playing against right. uh, friends because uh, they know me really well. I know them really well. I know how to think, and then it's just like, okay, what does he think that I think? 
Right. So, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting <laughs> development. But and so you get six handed and now five handed. Yeah. You can see here it's a million dollar score. What was that like when you're like, hold, like, did you, did you were you looking at the pay jumps at this point? Like, wow, wow, wow. I and, you know, or over here, the, like the number was crazy. And then like I never considered like how much money that is. And because I was just okay, if I, I, I was it's funny because I was thinking about um, what Bill said in his book when it's just like these moments are so rare. Like first time playing this event um, with so much money on top, I want to make sure I enjoy this. And this it was like because that was my priority for me. That was my I want to sit there, I want to be present and enjoy the next hours, and I want it to last as long as possible and be as happy with what I. Uh, do, do as possible and everything like rest you cannot control anyway so um i felt really good and i didn't want it to end and every time the blinds increased i was like ah now it gets short it probably ends soon so i was like eh. and so it went from five to six handed um, and then three handed i still had like 60 or 70 percent of the chips then dan busts elton in third place and then we go heads up and I had, I think, a two-to-one chip lead, and um, yeah, the heads up wasn't too long. Like Dan won basically every hand, um, and uh, it was yeah over quite fast, and was like pretty disappointed because like winning a Triton, such a special Triton, um, would have meant a lot in that moment. Um, but I was very happy with how it went. Um, I haven't thought about the money part in that in that moment yet. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll get to that. You didn't have to wait too yeah. long, right, to stew about possibly winning a Triton, which is also pretty yeah. incredible. Uh, and then quite an advertisement, although, again, I'm, I got a disclaimer. I've worked with Razor Edge, Ben Raleigh. Yeah. You know, that's my guy. But shout out to Poker Code. There's a second for you and a first right above in the oh, yeah. uh, the main event, No Limits. So that's quite an advertisement here. Matthias getting his uh, – he's always wearing that that uh, custom green or uh, orange logo yes. hoodie i know where to find him and, and where he's at in every tournament that's him but what i mean talk a little bit about him and how his game is because he's he's i don't I mean, he must have 30 40 50 million earnings i have to look but he's he's like crushing and playing and seems to win on all stops all the time he's he's uh oh, i mean how, how good is he how good is matthias matthias is yes. freak he like he's the guy that sits down and just like how Okay, I'll tell you a little bit background of Matthias. Matthias used to play uh, sit-and-goes for Supernova Elite. And he was multi-tabling. He's an absolute grind machine and very, very detail-oriented. Like, he has this drive. He wants to make it perfect. So he was playing sit-and-goes. And he, had, he, told, he told a story about how he optimizes his sleep. So he completes the Supernova Elite in, like, three weeks in January. That was his goal. Just play so much that, like, before January ends, he already has Supernova lead. Uh, and the way he did it, he was he was playing, slept for ninety minutes, played again, slept for ninety minutes, played again. That's how, like, he's he's he he didn't have like a long sleep through, but like just like constant power naps. And that's how he yeah. is. And then um, stars changed the system, so he kind of was out of a job suddenly and it was like the closest thing that now is available like i guess playing tournaments and also very special how he just didn't just start playing he didn't play a single hand of poker for seven months sat down i was like okay what do i need to study preflop solved everything preflop it was right before we had gto wizard preflop ranges solved everything 
um, solved a ton for post-flop and then just started three months of pre-flop, four months of uh, post-flop and jumped right into the super high rollers. And if, if Matthias says he studies, he means getting up at eight in the morning and going to bed at 10 and studying for 10 to 14 hours. Wow. That's how he is. And it, it, it does, it does make me, I mean, the, 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 the uh, man, I, I, it's, it's crazy. Cause like I, I do my, my wife's Brazilian, right? Portuguese yeah. is the language and I, we've been together for, I met her eight years ago or whatever. And I still, my son's four years old and he's actually passed me. Like I under, I do like five, 10 minutes of Duolingo a day and I feel like I'm doing yeah. well, but I'm not, you know, I can still, I understand and I'm getting there, but like that's over like a year, right? I've started, I was just like same, same kind of mentality. Like, well, what if I just do like five, 10 minutes a day? I'll get it right. It's going to happen. Yeah. But like, yeah, that, that type of dedication and study is, is dangerous, right? That it shows you like, there's a reason these guys and you and you know, people that have these results and fade or like you really dedicated to the craft. Like you're putting, it's not just like, all right, like check a spot, peel solver, one or two hands and talk like it's in there putting in the work. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's what you're competing with that these, these stops, right? These guys and, and people are working hard at their game and it's not easy yeah. to just come in and, and, and it does make a difference, right? Cause it might be the difference in one yeah. or two spots where like, it's like a critical bet size or a, a check or a fold and, and yeah. uh yeah it's a lot to compete with um but of course anyone can win on any given day and we do see uh some some non-pros and, and guys winning at times right but it's it, it is impressive and that's scary gonna have to i don't have he's one guy i've never got to connect with love to have him on the podcast love to have him on as a guest on gg you have to have him open up you know he's he's not the if you see him at table you're just like maybe it's like like maybe a bit distant but what, like once you get to know him, it's like actually very funny, <clears throat> um, very uh, sweet. So it's just like kind of lighthearted, um, yeah. not intimidating at all. Just like really obsessed with poker, um, and yeah, I've, it's just really fun to be with. Um, very, very, very interesting guy. I don't, yeah, I don't one I don't know much about, but I do want to go in and segue into. Again, you didn't have to wait long. How many days later was this where you got to win? It's a big one. 718 yeah. plus the bounties that which the mystery bounty, which I guess what was your biggest mystery bounty? Um, I think a hundred. Um it, it's it's not that steep on on Triton. So it's like it's 80k value, and this lowest one is 40k, and the biggest one is 400 k So it's okay. the variance is not that crazy from the bounties. Um, I think it was 840 in EV. For the 10 bounties um but like the, the the guy before me he put like the 400 200 100 he won three had three bounties 240k value and pulled out 700k so wow. assuming that i or i i ran uh, above ev when it was my turn well so what um, what he got what place did he get it just doesn't show like because that he means got got like, yeah oh wow he got so he got ninth but he's gonna get like more than second Yes, yes, yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, he and pulled the 30. 400, 200 and got eight and 100, I think, and got eighth place finish. Wow. Pretty um, crazy. Tell me about this. So you win this yeah. tournament. What does this feel like when you get back heads up and now you're like, wow, like I just was here. I want the trophy. You see your fiance in the winter shot. She's there watching. Like how, uh, how was that? Uh, how did that heads up go? Um, it was actually also, it was very similar to the 200K and with nine left, I win an all in with, checks against ace nine on nine high uh pretty crucial one and then double up again where flop trips 
And it was right at the cusp where, okay, Michael Sawyer was the big chip leader. And I tried to, like, tried to battle him because like, it was very crucial points where at any point, if I win a bigger pot against him, I it flips and now I'm suddenly chip leader with position. So that was kind of... Um, that was kind of important. So, and then there was this hand where I fought with ace queen, and now suddenly I am uh, chip leading. And same, sim very similar thing from seven left to three left. I suddenly am runaway chip leader. Um, I busted a couple of, I, I mean, I busted five or six out of eight people on the final table. It was, I ran super, super hot. Um, and with three left, I, I, I think I went into the heads up with 26 to 5 million. And so obviously I was like, hey, don't, you know, I had this before like three days ago and I really want to win the, the trophy and with, with Emad and uh, he was he was talking all the time and was like friendly chatting and uh, making fun and jokes and like mocking each other. So, uh, and like, I, I like that environment because I'm, I'm used to it from 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 sports. So I'm I'm happy with, with chatting so we went in the heads up and it was a very chilled environment and i played it out with him and uh yeah and uh it was over rather fast but this was a moment where i was like okay i'm very confident um that i'm gonna win if it doesn't i will have to run very bad um so i just enjoyed chat with him and yeah i think the first all in that we had um i i was able to hold and uh take it down it felt really really good that's that's amazing do you do the bounties after the tournament ends or do they do it throughout um so they do it the next day in the dinner break so everybody comes together they have this big bounty pool and then the lowest number of like if you kick out the first entry or like seat now uh, uh, entry number one then you're the first to choose if you kick ah, out okay. entry number two or the second doesn't matter how many bounties you have so i was like maybe fourth um, and then whatever bounties are left, you pull, and then you show them. Yeah, they do a thing very, out of it. Very, very cool. Yeah, no, I've, I've been the majority of the Triton stops. I do a lot of commentary interviews. I love yeah. it. I, I just, I'm in love with Triton, man. I, they, I obviously, oh, I think you are too. You've just picked up four million in a week there. <laughs> but tell me about. Will you be at all Triton stops and give me a little bit of a difference in what Triton, how they're different from other stops that you've played? Um, they do an amazing job every little detail that's i would say like they make sure they have this amazing team uh kate tiana um that all the stuff they have this vip hosts that make sure okay you like everything you have you, you come there uh, and you can focus on poker and the rest is taken care of which obviously is super nice for the players and also for the uh, vip players so they really enjoy playing you have food at the table you have great dealers um, and also what makes it special, I think the prestige, you know, it's just, it is the toughest series in the world and it means a lot if you perform in this, in this environment and they promote it really well. They have great streams. It's, I would say the best poker stream in the world. Yeah. Um, they have fun, a fun structure where it's like, like, okay, you play deep, but it kind of turbo-ish, kind of still a little bit to play. Um, and then you the tournaments are over in two days. Every day is another tournament. Um, and it feels kind of like a big get-together of like the, the high-stakes uh, pros and then like 
the VIPs would just have fun and you just connect. And it was just, I remember after, I think it was day one of the 40K, I had a pretty big stack and like uh, uh, Carl, uh, 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 Casey G, uh, and there was a Halloween party and we just, like everybody was just like going to the Halloween party, everybody had fun and then continued playing the next day. It was just like very lighthearted. Um, yeah event and it's just like yeah that's that that's how what makes it special and i said earlier where there's like huge bubble and i was playing mm -hmm. with uh with bob and elton and then it was just like a fun environment and that's what makes it special yeah no it is it's it, it's a great mix and and again some pros some some non-pros and the gg million live which obviously we we just did the commentary yeah. for gg millions online and now they have this format where they're tracking at the major stops across different tournament series where they're doing yep. this uh this event and it'll be at the world series here in the bahamas they do it kind of all over at the major ones and 187 entries i think webster's won this twice i believe the specific Crazy. gg million one <laughs> how is that tournament and what do you think of the the gg millions online and live oh it's amazing i it was the first triton i ever played and i think i got 10th a final table first triton stop i ever played was in vietnam yeah and the final table bubbled three i think it was i got 10th 13th and 12th and also i was just like and I, like every every single one was a million first and it was just like whoa and so it was kind of like oof that's uh the first one and I really like it. I mean, the 25K is fantastic. It's kind of deeper structure or like it takes a little, like it's a little slower structure than, than the others, um, which makes it cool. Um, always great events. I mean, this, this had like 190 runners. Crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, yeah, 180, exactly. 187. And yeah, pretty, pretty, yeah. pretty cool. Big prize pool for a 25K. And I know the Bahamas has a, uh, 15 no 10 million guarantee on this one yeah. so it'll be it's a lot a lot of a lot of guaranteed runners two starting days that's coming up this this week i think tuesday yeah. wednesday actually and then uh they have the the 15 mil 5k main event yeah. which i mean i don't know I, i'll be honest it's ambitious i think to get that many because yeah. of the conflict of the other major series i think it's going to be an overlay like i just don't see three thousand people going to the atlantis when like because because you're going to kind of compete that la vegas crowd right like they're like do i want to fly there fly back there's other side events before the big one even and it's just a yeah. lot so i don't know i mean but then it's the brand wsop gg it's for a bracelet it's in bahamas pretty fun so i don't know it'll be cool i mean it's great like I'm poker sure. scene vibrant right now it just feels like live online the numbers are up the series the guarantees the main event just hit ten thousand entries in vegas which is crazy the new venue's nicer it's it's getting optimized so yeah i, I pretty bullish on on poker right now and and do you feel online or live do you feel more comfortable or do you think that like what 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 do you feel like the the level the general tendencies population are you do you feel like it's gotten softer harder there's all this new information but there's a lot of new people coming where do you, where do you feel it lays right now um i mean it's definitely gotten tougher it just will always get tougher it won't be getting any softer um as in i would say in the high stakes environments people will just get better um if you keep up with it, then you probably won't notice it too much. But I think also the distance between someone who's starting out and an absolute top pro is just like it just keeps getting getting bigger. And so yeah, that I mean the top pros that today are just like absolutely crazy good. Um would crush every rack four years ago. Any right. 
any top pro today. Um, and it will be the same in four years, probably. Um, yeah. So let, let, me, let, me, let me ask you a question about the poker code. I'm just going to go with this because, again, there's like four or five different major yeah. brands. And, and we'll just give you the, the, the give the yeah. love to poker code today. As I mentioned, uh, some other very, you know, a lot of options. But yeah. do, you, do you believe how much, how much different or how much benefit if you go through the poker code curriculum um, mm -hmm. today and you started like and you're a you play the game for 15, 20 years and you're like break even maybe slight, you know, you understand all the principles, you get three betting, four betting, you understand the terminology, you're pretty good, like beating definitely like everyone else, but you're not at the elite level. Like how, how much of a difference would that be if you're like one year into poker and you kind of still understand a bit and you're, you know, learning, but you're like, how, how much more effective is it for someone that's been a lot around and more experienced? Like how much more are they going to get out of the curriculum than someone that's like, call it a beginner brand, pretty brand new? Um, I wouldn't say it's one, one thing fits all you like every, like poker code or all the other brands, um, the idea of like now buying a course and then suddenly you are a really good player. That's just not how, like you can become better. Of course you get ideas, you have, uh, like starting to think different, you like better people show you. Uh, in the game, like how to think about it, these things you can take away. What really makes a difference on the high stakes level is having a routine, having a feedback loop of players who are very good, um, having a schedule of, okay, if you're unsure about this situation, how do you study that? Um, yeah. That will that will separate the, the good from the best. Uh, but if you are a beginner and you just want to be a little bit better and you want to compete in your home game or maybe want to play in your play a live tournament and don't lose too much that definitely will help um i mean i did raise your edge when i like like before poker code was out i did raise your edge it was funny because i wrote down because i I'm, if i write it down i remember it better so i wrote down yeah. all notes that i had from uh from the course i watched the whole course i wrote everything down and made it into a book for me to like i wrote down all the notes to, from ben all the mm -hmm. ranges made it into a book, printed it out, got the book delivered, and then started with that book. That's how I was like, okay, that's Ben is a crusher and I I I start I want to study um what it does. So I did that. So it made me better. Um, which but ben? It, uh, you're referencing which Ben? Uh Raise Your Edge. Ben Oh you say from Raise Your Edge, but okay. Yeah, Ben CP, yeah. Yep. And it I, I did do it with most of uh, poker content and um it definitely makes you better. Like the deeper you go into it, but the idea of just watching the video and like understanding everything just won't happen. You have to actively work um, while watching. You have to um, take the ideas and run with it because like you can only say so much in one video about one thing and it doesn't matter who teaches you. It's just like you start thinking in a way and then you, there are yeah. so many more ways. And once you start um understanding concepts better than i think you make bigger big and, and and is there a law of diminishing returns or how valuable is it to have done raise your edge and poker code and can you tell me some similarities and differences in the material or is it I just mean, styles the styles of teaching but the same info um i would say it's just like razor edge was four years prior to poker code so it's i would say it's not comparable um in the way it was done it was just like it was I don't know how it is today. It was at that time. It was uh, it was good, and 
Poco Code was 2018, 2019, and now they have the, the, the new schedule. It's not a course that came out four years ago. It's a, I think they have monthly or weekly uh, coachings, and I think that's where the value comes from. If you're up to date, game changes so much. What's, what's, rel- what's true four years ago, it's not true today anymore. Yeah. Four years why, ago. Why is that? Why is it that the game changes that much? And like, is it just that, like, is it is it because of population tendencies? Is it because of new learnings? Like, it is funny to look at over the years, yeah. but different, you know, the ways the games change with the three bet, four bet, five bet, six bet. Now it's like, you know, there's just a, it's, it does shift, right? And the sizings yeah. are different. So w- is it just to just give me, give me a little bit of it and uh, look at what that's like and why? I mean, people just get better. I would say that that drives and they get closer to what's correct. And then big leagues and big exploits don't work anymore. Like Fedor in 2016, he was just like way out of line in every note, but it worked fantastically because people didn't defend enough, didn't forward enough, um, didn't three bet. So he could just open everything, three bet everything um, and just like red line the whole tournament through and then it, it added that they were start getting scared of that because they didn't really have an answer to that um same like other styles like michael damo like two years ago we had that run and people were kind of intimidated by it and um didn't want to play back because like they didn't really have an answer didn't want to call down too much um and i think that shifts people adapt okay like okay if he's so aggressive and does all these things we just call more and then the style become like style that x is an exploit to be too aggressive uh, becomes less effective because people defend better and then like at some point like it shifts they defend too much because like every bluff catcher becomes profitable so you never fold the bluff catcher again and then like if you never fold the bluff catcher all the bluffs become losing and then suddenly you can't effective anymore and that's how kind of it it, it shifts and i think now it like in also in in, in high stakes it's Everybody's out of line, kind of, and nobody folds. And it goes, it went very the other way from like even just two years ago. So, um, yeah, it, it will always, and then it, it will wriggle back. And I think it goes more into the um, closer and closer to, to it's, we won't be playing close to optimal, but like closer and making less mistakes. And um, that's where it will develop to. Do you think poker has a chance to to dry up or die, or is it just like always? There's now there's four card PLO, five card, there's six card, there's Omaha high low, there's variations, Badusi, Badegi, but you know like the six plus or short deck. Like there's always games. People are always gambling. Do you think poker is just historic going to be around forever and just new variations? Yeah, or I, I think yeah. so. I think even hold them. Like I mean, yes, you have maybe thirty guys who play extremely well um, right now, but like maybe five years from now, considered really well it's not that good anymore actually um and it will just get uh, tougher and like new people will show up and just some will fade out um but the game like we're talking about the top 0.1 percent of the economy like playing any tournament in the world where it's for most of the people it's a fun thing and we just play this will always um be a thing because it's really fun to play tournaments and will there be Will it be profitable to play quite high raked high rollers five years from now? Or is everybody too good and like other people just have too big of a disadvantage to even play and then this will fade out? Yes, maybe. 
or it will just be like everybody's so popular and now everybody play, wants to play that high and then it doesn't matter anymore because it's not about like how good they'll be it's more about the ratio of how many good players and how many just want to play it and this is how yeah. i think the economy will, will will settle down and then people who are not as good will fade out and yeah just like it has been can you see a day where you have a similar experience with soccer where you get a bit sour on poker and you just want to move in another direction? Have you ever gotten close to a point where you've said, this is it for me in poker, or I think I'm going to be doing something else? Or I guess it's sort of newer uh, when you've really dove into it, but do you have any experiences like that? Or could you see yourself stopping with poker anytime soon? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I even had that this year. For me, it was um, I was playing every Sunday for like four years and playing online, playing live, traveling, having my laptop everywhere. And I just didn't really enjoy playing Sunday or playing online. It was just like, felt okay, didn't know if like, uh, if that's the one I do on a summer day and I'll start playing. Um, so it was just, okay, how about I just pause it for like two months and I didn't play basically at all July, August. Um, and didn't, was like, okay, kind of missed it, but yeah, and then in, in September, I started playing uh, again, and I felt amazing. It was just, okay, now I had a break, and I really enjoy it, because I, I really enjoy if I feel the feel the process. If I don't feel much process, then I just kind of lose interest. Um, and I got back to it in September, and then it was, it was also crazy different, because like I looked at my win rate before, and then when I had passion, it was just like, before I was maybe like four or five big bands, and then after coming back i had like 10 and it just like feels very different if you enjoy it and i totally noticed that and noticed that in the results as well um had a great two months online and then great uh week life so yeah yeah i'm, I'm i feel I, I should have i knew in that moment man i, I just had a, you, you were in good form you basically won the the gg million online was doing the commentary we spoke briefly yeah. then and then you were off to the million the millions i should have known you were uh gonna just take it all down should have put some bets in on these different sites <laughs> wager on it that was, was actually uh, funny because like you remember the um you remember the that the chichi there's this betting thing you know mm -hmm. and i looked at the betting and i was chip leading and i don't know who was second and there was uh there was the odds on like how likely i meant to win and i think i had the right odds should have like if you just do it by chips i should have had like 3.5 or 3.6 and my odds to win as a chip leader was like 3 3.9 and i was like oh they like wow. completely i was like okay they definitely uh undervalue me or think like i'm not like basically not having a positive win yeah. rate or winning the tur tournament on that final table and overvaluing the others uh so i i i told all of my friends guys I think the line is 3.4, so it's 3.9. I think it's just like printing, and I'm I'm pretty confident I'm gonna win this one. And wow. uh, and they all bet it. And I think they put down like I don't know 15k or something, and then one one another uh, 60 out of that. But uh, that's sick. Yeah. That's, that's, that's it's nice to find a, a gap in these things. And yeah, maybe maybe now you got the street cred though. I don't know if uh, <laughs> if you're gonna be able to get away with that with those type of odds. Um, my, my, uh, my dad had a question here. He, I actually, yeah. I believe he just passed away, but a great, he was a great investor, Charlie Munger. He was second oh, yeah. in command at Berkshire Hathaway. I said that poker 
taught him to fold early when the odds are against you, or if you have a big edge, back it heavily because you don't get a big edge often. So seize it when it comes. So he's at, and my dad's saying, what are a couple lessons that you have taken away from poker? And do you believe poker is a metaphor for life? Oh, there's so many things in poker where you you can translate it. Um, it I think it teaches the the best is like the things you just cannot control and you have to be okay with it. I think that's what learned me the most. And I'm actually like, I'm in the poker bubble, so this is kind of normal. But once you go outside and you meet with people who are not familiar with that concept too much, they take things that like are absolutely not their thing too personal or take it too hard. And yeah, in my eyes, okay, well, if the fridge breaks down, yes, okay, you're out $500, but that is just bad variance. Like it's kind of a bad, but like for others, it's just like, okay, it's, it's a big deal or like you, you, I don't know, you flip over the TV and you break it. Like that's, and these things I, I would say, um, this helped me crazy. And like, so, um, yeah, I would say there are many, many things you can take away, like patience and you don't deserve anything kind of like, it's not fair. That poker is definitely not fair. Even if you work hard, maybe it doesn't pay off right away. You just have uh, you have to go through hard times like there's so many things that uh, poker teaches you indirectly that you don't realize also in the moment um yeah, um, yeah. and i love charlie manga and uh, their berkshire Hathaway uh yearly meetings with warren buffett it's sad mm -hmm. that he passed away yeah but he was almost 100 or in the 90s i don't know yeah i'm not shy of 100 oh really yeah. Wow, I didn't realize it was that close. That's crazy. That's actually that's uh that's that's pretty wild. Um yeah, yeah so that yeah, that's uh that is that is I think you're right. There's a lot of I mean the, again the metaphors with poker, it is kind of it is kind of crazy. And I, I would say an example too of like credit card roulette. It's funny because yeah. like when, with with dinner, going to dinners with friends and poker, it's like there's never a time where I go to a meal with friends that understand gambling or whatever that we don't just gamble for a bill, right? Whether it's a hundred dollar lunch or a, a yeah. dinner that's whatever, because again, that, like you understand the principle of equity and yeah. odds and like, it's an independent event and it's, you know, going to even out, but it's fun and it's safe, whatever. But like, if you go to like a group of non-poker players, like that concept is crazy or people are like, you know, thinking there's something rigged about it. Or like, even, you know, if they, if someone loses the bill, I always see this too, where they're like, if I'm with a group and like a few people maybe aren't normal, do it, but they're open yeah. to it. Right. And they do it and then they lose and they'll say, they'll tell you the yeah. person who won, thank you for dinner. Right. But like, really it's yeah. everyone contributed to dinner, right? Yeah. Everyone took their equal share of risk and, and then that guy paid, but it's just funny. Like the, the concepts in like the world, I do feel it's like a cheat code to have played poker and to really get it and understand and the highs, the lows, the good, the bad, the ugly, you see the best people, yeah. the worst people. And like, you yeah. really get a lot of experience in uh, that. I do feel like translates to life. Like, I feel like I have a superpower, like in any yeah. social situation, yeah. I just feel like I'm, you know, I, I just, I like, cause I have different ways of looking at things and approaching things. And I don't know, I don't know if you feel that way, but I, I really do feel yeah. it's an advantage for everyday operations that you're just like, and, and the same thing, the markets, the crypto or, you know, stock market plummets. Like I don't even blink, but like if the market goes down 5%, you know, your parent, people are talking about it. Like, man, this is crazy. Like, what are we going to do? You know, like how it's like, I'm, I'm getting my, my uh, zombie apocalypse bunker ready and like all this stuff. And I'm just like, you know, you could, the, the crypto could drop 35% and, and you could just be like, all right, like, you know, another day. It's like not even, I even think it's even crazy with the stock market where it's just like, everybody goes crazy. Stock market is down 20% at the same time. You're like into crypto and it just happens in a day and you're just like, well, it's only 20%. Like I 
don't really like it's yes twenty percent, but it's probably not going down to zero. And then it's just like how it's crazy how uh, that changes over time. And it's just, just like purely thinking EV, which is yep. like hey, that amount of money in in stocks, and it's just like X EV per year, and it doesn't matter at all if it goes up or down or sideways or spins in a circle. It's just and it's it's funny like that that teaches poker and like the variance. I mean. You kind of have to be crazy to play tournaments for a living. So uh, the variance there is uh, yep. not comparable to any of those. All right. I got two more questions. I know we're already an hour and 20 in and, and, and I'm mm -hmm. learning a lot and enjoying it and appreciate the time. I do want to look at, I mean, your 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 photos on Instagram look very professionally done. Or, and I know you've done yeah. like travel. Is that, is that a business that you like you you do specifically? And are these like professional photo photos mm -hmm. taken or what what is what I mean, is your travel experience especially like they are, i think the iphone most of them um okay. it was a phase right after soccer i traveled a lot i was like okay maybe i just posted and build up the um, social media brand i noticed that's not something really for me I, it's i'm not a blogger i don't enjoy it um and then i just was like hey it's it's i just it's it's not for me i don't want to be in uh, influencer and uh, yeah, but it was a fun time. We traveled a ton, went yep. to great places. Um, very, very great experience. And again, I wish I could have appreciated how crazy of an special experience is back then because um, that just felt okay. I'm young, I will be forever young, which I probably won't be. And like these trips, of course, I could do them right now again, but uh, you. You probably don't want to like stay at a hostel at 27 anymore and um, it's right well yeah it's also now you have a fiance and you yeah, know the with your boys it's like you don't just yeah. go and do whatever whenever and exactly you it, it's it is it changes and 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 i did want to ask what your uh what are some of your favorite places to play poker in the world what are some of your favorite stops okay if you and, and you get to play tourist. You do it. Do you feel you do a good job when you go to a place that you actually like come early or stay late and visit and do stuff, or do you kind of just stay at the casino and the venue? I, I do. I, I try to, and I I don't mind taking a day off uh, and just skipping a tournament. Um, I mostly like compared to online. It's probably like money wise. Sometimes even smarter to play online. So like I see that live trips as kind of a holiday or just an experience as well. So. If I have a fun time with someone and I rather have dinner, then I rather do that. Um, and two places, absolutely amazing. Um, both are in Austria. Um, Seefeld, which is in the winter, it's right before Triton this year. I'm not sure if I can make it. Um, amazing winter town, absolutely amazing. Cool casino. I think it's like a 2K main event and a 5K high roller. They had sometimes run a 25K, but only if like it runs um, and then you just go skiing. It's absolutely amazing. Perfect. Wow. Like 10 out of 10. How played. do you spell that? Uh, Seefeld. It's like S-E-E -E and then F-E-L-D. Seefeld. Okay. Crazy. It's, it's a Casino Austria Poker Tour. Um, absolutely amazing place. And then another one. And, and actually, Seyfeld, there was talks if they do a Triton event, that would be uh, insane. Like, if they absolutely insane uh, spot for to have a Triton event. Oh. But it's not that easy in Austria with the regulations and stuff. Um, and then another one is Felden in the summer. It's like it's like European Poker Championship, also from the Casinos Austria. 
probably the nicest casino, poker casino. I don't want to say in the world because I don't have been to many, but definitely nicest casino I've ever been in my life. It's just, wow. you have to imagine, it's like the uh, Wörthersee. It's a really beautiful lake. Like if you go to my Instagram page, actually, I'll show that. Um, I'll scroll up a little bit. Uh, up, up, up here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's one a little bit down, I think. Yeah. Yes. I'm, yes, this one. If you click on it. The video, yeah, yeah. This is this is Felden. It's absolutely crazy, and the 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 uh, casino is at the lake, right? Direct. It has a it has a dock. The casino, and you play. You basically wow. have the open place, and then you play in this area. It's summertime. It's like a very expensive area in Austria. Absolutely amazing. It's very cool. Crazy, 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 crazy nice. I. Couldn't that's cool because the Austrian yeah. European poker championship interesting. I have not seen, yeah, I have not heard of this. So that that's that's actually great because a lot of stops that people talk about the major tour stops and you know stuff I've already known or heard of. But so that's two new ones to to put down on the yeah. list. And I and another one of my last questions: What do you think of Lionel Messi playing soccer, football in Miami? Do you think it's possible for American football to become competitive with football nations around the world? Uh, or is that a pipe dream? Can American football at the, the MLS level and also the U.S. national team, can they compete for a World Cup? Do you think that you'll see that in our lifetime? And what's your thoughts on American soccer? Oh, 100%. I mean, I mean I've mean, i watched the back documentary. I didn't realize it back then, but like um, how he was playing in the in the LA Galaxy when, they, when he was like 2007, like mm-hmm. how they played back then compared to how they play now insane difference way more professional way better players everybody's professional um very different i think um it will take some while it 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 needs to be become like socially a priority for kids to play soccer and have this more availability once that happens and once once it becomes a mass thing even in the southern states or in the northern states it's uh it, I mean, America has 300 million people. Once they get into it and they have a decent system for people to develop, it would just be one of the, the, the biggest nations. Um, with the MLS developing at the same time, I think it needs, needs improvement in the youth system. And in, I mean, in Europe, every country, football is the priority. Every single country, that's the sport. Even in Austria, we are great at skiing, but football is by far the most popular sport. And we get drilled from a very young age um, or fi- I would say filtered out. Like if you're better uh, in your team, then you get uh, extra training and extra like their academies and things where the better players get uh, extra uh, education. Yeah, sure. And it starts at a very young age and it filters out at the very young age. So like it's 15, 16, 17, you know if you can make it to become a pro and like at 17, 18, you like, you kind of know already. And I would say in America, it's different. If you go to college and then you college graduate and then you go to MLS, I would kind of say that is too late because, I mean, Mbappe is 24. He probably graduated college like last year and he's already won- almost won two World Cups, has scored hundreds of goals in Europe. Like he's, that's like that's the difference where yeah. there will be American players coming into the European system and then expanding. So I think the national team will be good how the general broad American um, uh, level will increase is only by 
building the infrastructure and culture around it. Um, and this will take time, but it will be driven by the interest first, the passion first, and then everything will follow. Um, if there will be MLS will be on the level of uh, of a European league, I don't know when. Um, but if the passion is there, it will. And I mean, uh, that it's definitely like America is a financial powerhouse. So yeah. if there is a way to make MLS uh, competitive with those, maybe have a team play in the Champions League or something, then yeah, maybe. Yeah. What, what's your route, Mount Rushmore for uh, soccer footballers? We'll say of all time. Do you are you a Messi, Ronaldo guy, Maradona, Pele? Where does it rank for you? Because oh. you you actually understand the game, yeah. so I can ask you this question. I'm curious what you're where you uh, fit that all in. I mean, it's so tough. Like I also, I might I kind of feel bad for Ronaldo because like right now, like after the World Cup and like like everything afterward, like it became so clear. Okay, yeah, Messi is so clearly the the best. Definitely is not clearly the best. It's like super thin margin. I've been both are insanely amazing um i would say if i had to choose one i would choose messi um it's but it's just like if ronaldo won the world cup everybody say it's ronaldo and yeah, that's kind of, it is sick it is so it's sick so it's, it's, and that's you know, the it, it's so similar to poker it's like you yes. know like take Fedor or take justin bonimo and bring kenny yeah. like there's no they're they're battling one and two for the earnings of all time like they're anti-sweating each other so hard even if they were best friends and they loved each other they like you gotta root for like every you know they they just want to be number one and like ronaldo they do that chess photo with uh the the louis vuitton ad at the start and it's it really is like it felt like it's like a duel off yes. for who was gonna be the best and the fact that one of them actually won it's like yeah. he's got that had to like ruin Ronaldo's spirits. Yeah. Like truly, it must have really yeah. put him in like yeah. a depression for a while because he's so competitive. But it's crazy to see how competitive he is. And look at the year he's having right now. I mean, yeah. he's in this league that you could argue is not great, but he's scoring like epic goals. He's yeah. like at the top of his game again. Like it's yeah. crazy. He's doing it at the Portugal level. And just like you wonder, are these guys really going to go another World Cup at this yeah. point? Like I think Ronaldo, I don't see Ronaldo he, not being I, on the squad. I think so too. And I think it's like you kind of have to. I think Messi also got perceived as in later stages. Okay, he's the better. He won the World Cup. That was just variance. Also, Messi had the way better team. Portugal was not at the level to compete. Um, Ronaldo won the European Championship, which is a crazy accomplishment with that team. Also, variance, but you know, it's. And with, with Messi, then the storyline fits. That's why I really now it's Messi. But you also cannot forget that Ronaldo is like two or three years older. So he is 38 competing against a 34-year-old who is definitely way fitter at 34 than 38. And people just think it's the same thing. Like, no, they're not the same. They're different age. I don't yeah. know if Messi will play with 38. You know, I mean, I just retired 36. And Ronaldo yeah. at 34, absolutely insane crush. He was still at, uh, I think at this time it was at Juventus, but like at 32 at Real Madrid, yeah. it's just yeah. like, you yeah. know. Yeah, it, it, it's actually crazy too to think about that. I mean, Messi, if you remember in the World Cup, they lost that to Saudi Arabia in the first game, and then they actually had to win, and he scored a goal to put them yeah. through. Like they had to beat Mexico, and it was like 1 0, and I think it was late. So, like, they could have been out in the first round, and even then, like, Portugal goes to like this in the playoffs, or at least to like later, you know, the quarters or whatever, this round of 16. So, like, yeah, it, it is crazy, and it's similar in poker. Like, you know, you could lose a flip, right? Ace king to queens, yeah, and, yeah. and you're just now it's like, and then you don't go play, or this they, people talk about this, and 
you know, we talk about, I said to you on the GG Million show, Sunrun, you're kind of in like that. The, you're on a heater. You hit the two big scores, second, first, four million in cash as you win the GG Million online. You're in like big form. And, you know, I, I know you don't want to like jinx or think about these things, but you, the Dan Coleman, Justin Bonomo, Bryn Kinney, you know, Daniel Granio, and you could throw in, um, yeah, Fedor, right? These type of Dan Coleman runs. There's been a few where guys just can't miss. And the, the confidence is there. The people are scared of you. And it's just kind of all working. So, you know, I wish you luck. I hope it continues in the Bahamas. Maybe we'll go heads up in uh, the main event. I'm going to throw that Ooh, in yeah. the universe. That would be fun. Or the 25 KGG million. And uh, yeah, man, I appreciate the time. I've definitely gotten nice to, to get to connect. We've played a few times live, but haven't really ever gotten to, to uh, hang out. And I think who won the dinner? I won the dinner, but it doesn't matter. We'll have well, Bahamas, I saw I saw the Norman Chad and uh, Lon McCarran promo videos. There's some new restaurants there. I've been to Atlanta so many times. Um, we'll uh, we'll have to have a nice dinner one yes. night there. Hopefully on a dinner break of one of these these tournaments, and we'll we'll have some fun. And I appreciate again appreciate the time. Congrats on the engagement, and congrats on all the success. Thank you for joining today, and we will uh, hopefully do more podcasts and and things in the future. Hope be cool. Thank you, Jeff. Awesome, everyone. That's Mario. Mosbuck, I'm pronouncing it the best I can, and we appreciate the time. There, we're getting there. We're we're learning. We're optimizing GTO. We're doing it all. We'll see you guys for another episode of the Flow Show very soon. Thanks again to Mario for the time, and I'll see him in the Bahamas. And if you see us there, please say hello and good luck to you if you're playing there. It's going to be a great series there in Nassau at the Atlantis for the WSOP, which is starting, I believe, uh, this weekend. It's starting very soon, and, and we'll be going until yep. the 14th. So. We'll, uh, we'll see you guys there. Safe travels to everyone. Safe travels to you, Mario, and I'll see you there. Cheers. Cool.